Hey you guys, it is Grace Bransom with the Words He Used podcast. Today we're going to be talking about the gift of suffering and I am super duper pumped to get into it. Um, I have a really, really cool guest here with me today. This is James Sealing. Everybody say hi, James. Just kidding, there's nobody here. Just me and James and Taylor. I love it. Okay, so today we're going to talk about the gift of suffering, but I want to get to know you a little bit, James. So something we have on the podcast that we're going to do every single week is a testimony in six words or less. What is your testimony in six words or less? My testimony in six words or less is solely the pursuit of his heart. Wow. That's good stuff. Okay. Yeah. What does that look like for you practically? Practically, that looks like waking up every day. And the very first thing that I do is thank him, acknowledge his presence and spend time with him. Wow. Okay, cool, 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 cool. Okay, tell us about yourself, James. Just tell us all about your life. You're a really cool guy. Um, James has been my friend for about two years now, but in those two years, we've gotten extremely close. He's just a privilege to know, but tell us about yourself. Um, I'm originally from Florida. I moved to Texas about five years ago. I live in Fort Worth. I'm currently going to school um, locally, and I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And you go to Mercy Culture and people who go to Mercy Culture are a different breed. Let me tell you, I love them. Tell me all about Mercy and your involvement there. Mercy Culture is a presence-driven church. We are not centered around a pastor or anything, any person except the person of the Holy Spirit, of the presence of God. And that is our sole pursuit. Um, That goes right along with my personal testimony. I felt like... um, when it, op- when, when it opened its doors, I was like, this is literally my home. Wow. Because its pursuit is nothing but the heart of the Father and the presence of God. It is um, not your average church. Um, they have a very healthy and strong culture um, that promotes health mm-hmm. and, and cultivates trust. And, um, yeah, so we have three parts to our culture. It is our values, our unique characteristics, and our leadership standards. Wow. And I wish I could go through and give you every single one, (laughs) but um, I'm not quite there yet. Um, I'm serving on the usher team. I'm actually the onboarding coordinator for the ushers um, to help steward the pass of people from membership to serving. Um, And so it's really been an honor and a privilege to get to serve this house um, because of just how great it has, how greatly it has affected my life. And it's only greatly affected my life because of um, the freedom that it gives the presence of God, because it's the presence of God that transforms lives. Wow, incredible. And so you're also looking into going to Mercy Culture School of Supernatural Leadership, right? Next year? Yes. So the Mercy Culture School, uh, Spiritual Leadership School, um, I I, I have applied. um, (laughs) And so I have not yet heard back, um, but it it should be a couple of weeks because I've just recently applied. Um, But yeah, uh, the Lord, I felt led to, to apply. I feel like this is where I'm planted. Um, I kept exploring different options as far as school in the fall goes. And the Lord kept saying, like, I'm bringing you back home. I'm bringing you back home. And so that was the first place that I felt in my spirit, the Holy Spirit say, 
you are home. And so he just is continually, continuously bringing me back to this place to plant me here. And so I am so excited. I literally cannot wait. Wow. Okay. Also, James, you've kind of made a nickname for yourself as water boy. Um, a lot of my friends are like, is that water guy? Tell us about what you do for work. So I work at Texas Drinking Water Systems. Um, it is a water purification company. Um, and so what we do is reverse osmosis and um, water purification for homes and businesses and ranches and a bunch of different stuff. So reverse osmosis is basically like taking all of the impurities out of your water to give you the purest water possible. So, um, nerd um, alert. Nerd alert. And I've only worked there for like a month and a half and it is, it gets so stinking meticulous. Like, um, I could, I could never be a technician. I'm an administrative assistant and, um, it's been, it's been a thrill. Like <laughs> I really, I really love it. Um, but yeah, so the city, um, puts a bunch of chemicals in your water, um, for quote good reasons, but it is detrimental to your body. And, and like, if you are on a well, then there is a bunch of different stuff. If you don't drill down deep enough into the water table, there's a bunch of bad stuff in your water. There can be iron, there can be sulfur, there can be sediment, different stuff like that. That's so what we do. The first thing that happens is, um, at least for an RO, like under your sink, let's say you want to purify your drinking water. Um, it'll first go through um, what's called pre-filters, which are um, carbon block and sediment filters that take out the chlorine and the dirt and dust and all that stuff in the water, um, all the big stuff. And then it goes to the membrane, which is what really does the um, the filtration, where it takes literally down to 0. 0.005 micron, I believe, out of the water. Um, and then it goes through... Um, if you have this on your system, it goes through an alkaline uh, cartridge that puts minerals back in the water because um, the Lord made these things beneficial for our body. And so we believe that putting it in um, our our water um, is extremely beneficial. So, um, and I mean, it's not just, oh, we really think this is good. No, it's like a fact. Minerals are good for you. Um, and so... We put that back in the water, and then there's one last filter to help with taste, um, to make it not so like strong, and then, yeah, you have clean, pure water, um, so. and it, that is like that is like literally the very, very, very tip. Like there, it goes. Probably you could sit down and you know, take a five-hour class about um, water before you actually get through everything, and then. I don't know. It's it's really complicated, but um, probably the best water you'll ever get is from Texas Drinking Water Systems. Wow, that is a lot about water. I have never heard like 99% of the words you just said. That was incredible. Wow. Um, but water is not what you want to do long term. Tell us about your long term goals. Uh, my long term goal is to be a minister of the gospel. Wow. Uh, my I feel that my calling is to communicate the gospel um, and the power in love of the gospel to both the lost and the found for transformation, revival, and reformation. Um, because the church currently is sick and it is hurting. Um, and it's, it's due to a lack of the revelation of Jesus. Wow. Like there, there's works, there's a neglect of the Holy Spirit. 
um, that prevent the church as a whole, the church body as a whole, at least in the westernized church, from really uh, loving the world the way that the Lord designed the church to love the world. And so in, in a broken and fallen world, we have uh, a westernized church that has either become numb or become holier than thou um, and has created this religious husk of Jesus, um, what the Bible calls uh, a form of God, Mm. but they deny the power that could make them like God or in his image, which is the Holy Spirit. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So you've got some big plans this summer too. Um, you're going to do some really cool stuff. How did God call you into what you're going to do and tell him about it? I, you guys, I'm so excited. You have no idea for him. Oh, wow. Okay. So there's an organization called Circuit Riders that, um, pretty much does, um, what I just said. They travel and they save the lost and they save the saved and they 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 reach campuses there's one of their ministries is called carry the love and they go from campus to campus high school and college and and hold different services to um spread the gospel to equip and send this generation to share the gospel and it is amazing and so i'm getting an opportunity this summer to go to a 10-day intensive in california and um, there's also one in Dallas, closer to where I live. And I went online to fill out the application. And the only way that I can explain it is that the fear of the Lord came on me. Wow. And there was nothing that I could do in that moment other than fill out the Orange County application. And the Lord has moved in miraculous ways to provide for that. And he is continuing to provide. And I feel like... Um, I feel like how Romans 4 describes Abraham, like considering my circumstance as good as dead, because (laughs) how am I going to go and do this on my own? I'm not, right? Mm -hmm. Because I have the faith that says God will provide because he's given me this instruction and he's given me this promise that says I will provide for you. And so my faith is as simple as God, I believe you. Wow. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. So... So after this this ten this ten day thing, what are you what are you hoping to gain out of the whole situation? Are you just open, or is it? Do you have like a specific thing you're asking the Lord to do while you're there? I am. My pursuit is solely His the heart, heart. Of the Father. Yeah. So what I'm doing is I'm obeying. Wow. If I'm being completely honest with you, I don't know why He wants me to go all the way to California mm-hmm. to go to this ten day intensive when I could just do it. Um, in Texas that tells me that he is something supernatural for me, something that he needs me to get before I go into a spiritual leadership school, um, because this isn't just like, um, this is not seminary. MCSLS is not seminary. It is training leaders and developing leaders to go out into the world to bring the presence of God into every facet, entertainment, ministry, uh, music, media, um, all the things, business, whatever it is, developing spiritual leaders in those things. Wow! And so the only thing that I can imagine is that the Lord has something that he needs me to get before he can truly develop me as a leader. And I am beyond excited. 
Wow, I'm so excited for you too. Um, I just want to kind of intro the words he used here. I totally forgot to even say what we're doing here. Um, my name is Grace Bransom and I wrote a book called The Words He Used. And there is a podcast that I've now um, been fortunate to be a part of called The Words He Used Podcast. Um, Brad Allard is one of my sponsors. He's an incredible guy and he really encouraged me to do this. He's great. Um, just an incredible guy. And um, yeah, he really encouraged me to do this and I'm really excited to do it. I just want to echo my leaders and echo the word of God in a way that's meaningful and powerful. And James, I think you're one of those people that is good at echoing um, the word of God. So as we hop into our big, big, big topic, I want to ask you one more question that I think is probably really essential and super duper spiritual. What's your go-to coffee order? Oh man, Uh, that's tough (laughs) because it's really hard to like actually just pick one thing. Yeah. Because um, a lot of times I just get coffee at home. And you got peppermint tea but yesterday, which really threw me off. not going to lie. I like my tea. I like my peppermint tea. But if I had to go somewhere and order coffee, the safest bet, especially if I'm at a new place, mm. is just plain Jane caramel latte. And then that usually tells me how good their coffee is. Wow. Go there. Say that. That'll preach. That's good stuff. Um, Before we hop into the gift of suffering, I wanted to pray for us. So, um, dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for being in this space. We appreciate you and we love you and we love your presence. Um, I pray that we steward your presence well, God. Um, as As we hop into this, God, I pray that you would just speak through James and allow him to... um just echo what you've taught him, God, and, and we see his heart. Thank you so much for giving us this opportunity in this platform. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So you've spoke on this before. You've led conversations about this before. So I really just want to give you give you the floor and tell us all about the gift of suffering because I, I was looking at your notes and I was just blessed. Like I'm literally like you see my arms scrolling so hard. There are so many notes here. There's so much stuff. Um, and I would just love to hear you speak about it. So you have the floor, James. So, um, yeah, I'm going to try and make it as uh, condensed and powerfully plain as possible um, because I don't want to uh, hyper-Christianese this subject and alienate people who maybe haven't grown up in church or don't know all of the um, kind of verbiage that goes along with this. Um, And also, I don't want to take, you know, an hour and a half to to explain. Go ahead. So, uh, yeah. So let's just start with the root of suffering. Yeah. What is the root of suffering? It is simply sin. Yeah. Um, the corruption of human hearts, beginning at the fall of the garden, and then demonic influence. Yeah. Which that fall in the garden, um, that choice that God gave Adam and Eve. Either you can trust me and what I say is good and evil, or you can define good and evil on your own. Mm. But if you do that, you'll surely die. And they chose the latter. They chose uh, to define good and evil on their own. And that sin opened a door for demonic influence. And so they fell in sin and then their children fell in sin and then their children fell in sin. And so the sin, the death, the pain, the wrongdoing, it's birthed out of this fleshly desire and it's now integrated itself into the entire world because of your sin and my sin and our parents' sin and their parents' sin. And and so now we see all of this tragedy in the world um, and pain and suffering 
and it's birthed through demonic influence. However, our God is so good and our enemy is so powerless against him that we can actually have joy in our suffering. Wow. Yeah, because I mean, you use the verbiage like the gift of suffering. So what does that gift side of it look like? Because I mean, I mean, we see Jesus where he's um, he's toiling before he goes to the cross and he says, remove this cup from me as if it's a gift, as if it's something that God is giving him. So I think it's really cool that you use the word gift. Explain what that looks like a little bit more. Yeah, so the main scripture um, that I'm pulling from is Romans 5 and James 1. And in Romans 5, starting in verse 3, it says, But we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance mm. produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has been wow. given to us. And so look look, look at this. We see endurance, character, hope, and love. And what, what, what's the cause of it is that initial suffering. And then if we can flip over to James 1, which I'm going to do. Actually, I can just scroll up to James 1. <laughs> what's up? Computers are so cool, you guys. Are they really? Um, you tell them. Blessed is the man who stands steadfast under trial for when he has stood the test he will receive the crown of life which god has promised to those who love him let no one say when he's being tempted i'm being tempted by god for god cannot be tempted with evil and he tempts no one wow. but each person is tempted when he is lured by his own desire and when his desire is conceived it gives birth to sin and sin when it is fully grown brings forth death and so that kind of gives us both sides What's the root of death and pain and suffering? It's sin. Sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Um, and God tempts no one, but uh, the goodness of God comes rushing in and says, even though I'm not causing this, I will give you so much from it. Mm. So let's start at the beginning here. Suffering producing endurance. Not all suffering leads to endurance. Yeah. Endurance is built when we submit our suffering and steward faith. Wow. So when we, uh, when we submit our suffering, we keep our faith in Jesus and surrender it. And that obedience, we say, God, this suffering is not mine. I do not identify with this. I'm lifting it up to you. What do you say? And we have faith in him and in his goodness. And that's that's the that's the key. And like that sounds like not very practical, but from that, everything else comes is our faith in him. Even our salvation is our faith in him being who he says that he is and doing what he says that he does. Mm -hmm. Right? And so that's what we see is um, how we get from suffering to endurance because of this thing called grace. Oh my gosh, I know her. Just kidding. Yes, we know grace. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we, we know grace. So, and we look back to 5, 2, Romans 5, chapter, um, Romans chapter 5, verse 2 says, Through him we have obtained access by faith into grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Mm -hmm. So, grace and mercy, 
get flip-flopped and separated, um, not separated, they get interchanged all the time, but they are not the same by any means. Mercy is the undeserved kindness. It is the steadfast and eternal love of God. Mm. And grace is the gift of God to be tempted and not sin. It is the gift of God to endure more than we have the ability on our own to endure. Yeah, because it's such a myth when people say, like, God won't give you more than you can handle. Well, that's the whole point. Yeah, that if is you the could, whole point. If you couldn't, if you could do it on your own, you wouldn't need God. He will, mm. And he will allow you to endure more than you can handle because when you get beyond yourself, that's when you actually start living. Wow. Because on our own, we're dead in sin. But when we get beyond ourselves, like, I love it. I love it when people say, I, I feel like I've just reached the end of myself mm. because that's the perfect encouragement to just come alongside them and say, good. Yeah. Cause this is where Jesus begins. The end of you is where Jesus begins. All right. So grace, mm. we're all given the same amount of grace. We're given a portion of grace, right? But we're given access as it says in Romans five to it by faith. Faith that Jesus is who he says that he is and is as good as he says. Wow. And so we get endurance from our suffering because we say, Jesus, I'm giving this to you and I trust you. And then he gives us grace to expand our capacity to endure. Mm -hmm. And then endurance produces character. And that word character in the Greek, um, which for those who don't know, the Bible is written in Hebrew and Greek. And in the New Testament, this portion of scripture is written in Greek. And so the English language cannot contain the totality of those languages. And so it's kind of like reading the Bible in English is like seeing a picture in black and white. Like everything is there and it's all true. What you're seeing is true. However, there's a lot, there's so much more fullness when you turn the color on and that's what it's like to read in the Greek and the Hebrew. And so in the Greek, this word character is proven character with the implication of trustiness or experience. And so to put it plainly, as you endure suffering while leaning on the grace of God, you develop a history with the Lord of not only his faithfulness, but your obedience. Wow. When you have a history with the Lord, you can look back and point to all the places he performed a miracle that helped you make it through, no matter how big or small, no matter if he provided a car for you, no matter if he provided five bucks for you so you could get food, no matter if he just showed up mm. and was there. His presence is a miracle, guys. Wow. Like, I remember times in my life, I just needed to feel loved. Mm -hmm. And the biggest miracle in my life that moment was feeling loved by the Father. Wow. And so character produces hope. Mm -hmm. This history with the Lord produces hope. And hope is also vastly misused in in, in westernized culture and in, in modern culture. It's, it's more like a wish. Like, oh, I really hope this will happen. I really hope that'll happen. But the word hope is actually a confident expectation of good. Mm. When we put our hope in something, we say, I believe this will happen. I am confident in the goodness of this thing. And so when we in 
when we have this history with the Lord, we can put our hope in him being as good as he says that he is. And, and so there's this, there's a catch though. Well, not really a catch, but there's this fault in us as humans where we say, God, I believe that you're going to be good if you do it like this. Mm. And so we actually put our faith and our hope in an expectation and in an outcome instead of his goodness. And when we do that, we actually hurt ourselves. Mm, it's, it's, like, it's like this. So you can either, you're given $1,000 and you can either put it in Apple stock or you can buy Apple product. So you put it in stock and you wait and it grows. And even though you're not feeling anything, like nothing's happening to you right now, when it comes time for a return, that stock is going to be much more than what you put in. Yeah. And it's going to grow and it's going to, and then you're going to be able to put more in. And then it's going to be able to grow any more, even more. And then you can pull it out and you're going to have even more. And it's that's what it's like to put your faith in Jesus. Being as good as he says that he is. Because there is not anything in the world that can make Jesus not good. Yeah. Except our perception. Mm. So then we look to the other. Putting our faith and our hope in our expectations in our desired outcome or what we think we deserve. Come on. So we buy this Apple product with our thousand dollars, right? And we use it. It's great. It's, it makes us feel good. It's convenient. And then when it's come time for a return, not only is it worthless, but it's broken and it's damaged Mm. and it's, it's worthless. The moment we buy it, we don't realize it, but the moment we buy it, it's worth less. And then when it comes time for the same return, it's actually broken and damaged. And so we walk around with broken and damaged faith because we refuse to put our hope and our faith in the one who is faithful and instead put it in what we want to happen or how we want him to be faithful. Mm. Wow. And so, so good. And so that leads into this next part, which confused me at first. It says, but hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. I was like, God, how can hope be put to shame? Like, mm. hope is supposed to be an expectation of good. And he, he said, he, he showed me, he, he framed it like this. It is that when we put our hope not in God being good and in a desired outcome, in an expectation, when it doesn't happen, the enemy is so quick to sneak in and say, hey, you believed for that and it didn't happen. How dumb do you feel right now? You're so stupid for believing that. Can you ever really believe God again? Wow. How could you have believed? You believe God and it didn't happen. What? And, and it's that same, it's that doubt that comes in and says, did God really say? And it gives us a broken and damaged faith and it puts us to shame. It shames us for having faith. But when you put your faith and hope in just him being as good as he says that he is, then if he says no to something and something doesn't happen, then we actually rejoice and we say, thank goodness, because the no's should give us more joy than the yeses. Because if there's a no, then there's a bigger yes. 
then he has something better for you. Even if in your carnal and human mind, it doesn't look bigger and better for you. Once you walk down that road, you'll realize, oh my goodness, this is so much better for me. For instance, I did not want to move to Texas. I was in middle school at the time. And me and my sister was like, we're not going to move. We're going to stay here. We're going to run away. We're going to, we don't want to move to stupid Texas. We love it here. All our friends and family is here and blah, 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 blah. And we couldn't get beyond our own perception. But now on this side, I'm like, moving to Texas was the greatest thing that ever happened to me. Yeah. Up behind, me too. Behind meeting the Holy Spirit. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was the greatest no. Yeah. It was the greatest no. Because if I wouldn't have moved here, I would not have met the people that introduced me to the Holy Spirit in a way that I could grow supernaturally mm-hmm. in the growth that I have experienced at mercy culture in the last year and eight months is in insane. I am a new creation. Like even still being a Christian two years ago, I am not the same. Like I, that is somebody else. I'm convinced I've been transformed by the presence of God because of his no. Mm. Think about that. Because wow. of his no, I have been transferred. And it was it was painful moving here. Literally leaving everything that I could have ever known. Coming to a place that I didn't like and I I didn't know. And having to make it just me by myself in school. Like I had siblings and stuff, and it actually forced us to get closer, which is another testimony. Um but I, I felt alone at first. I felt pain, just everything stripped away from me. And even as silly as it sounds, like the Lord met me there. Yeah. And he freed me. And even recently going through some of the, in the, in the past two years, going through some of the worst heartaches and pain that I've ever felt in my entire life, it pulled me closer to God. Because look, it says hope cannot be put to shame because of the love of God that's been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. So we, when we put our hope and our faith in, in God, being as good as he says that he is, it, it produces closeness. It pulls us closer and it tethers our heart to his. And he says, I love you. And our faith is, I believe you. It's, oh my goodness, it's those three words. I believe you. I believe you. Wow. It's when you sin and you're like, you're beating your, the your, the devil is coercing you to beating yourself up on the inside and feeling shame. And God says, I called you my righteousness through my son. Mm-hmm. That's what Romans says. We are the righteousness of God in Christ. And we say those three words, I believe you and all shame has to go. Wow. We come into agreement with what he's already said. Yes. Wow. Yes. And so, and so look at this, the Holy Spirit, what's his part in this? So first of all, who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is the person of God with us now. So there's three persons of the God, right? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They're all one, not three separate. However, the Holy Spirit is the one with us now. 
So the person of the Holy Spirit is the power of God and the authority of Jesus that lives on the inside of us. Mm-hmm. And without him, we cannot achieve what God has called us to. So Romans doesn't say that suffering will be joyful. Mm-hmm. It doesn't say we'll be whoop de doo suffering. I love this. This is great. God is so good. Like I'm <laughs> loving life right now. Yeah. And it sucks. No, it, it's, it's saying that through your suffering, you will find joy. It says rejoice in. And we find joy in our suffering by finding God in our suffering, by shifting our perspective from the dirty street to the beautiful blue sky, from shifting our perspective. And so joy as a fruit of the Spirit can only be produced by the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And so when we find God in our suffering, we find joy. I remember walking out of school one day, just beat down by life. And I looked up in the sky and I was just hit with this awe and wonder. And it was just a blue sky. It was a great, like the gradient, you know, like the horizon's a little bit darker and then it goes up and it's lighter. And I just, I was struck with an awe. I was like, well, God, you made that. How incredible is that, that you made that? And then I was at work and I, I at, at the time I worked in a chlorine pool teaching swim lessons. And even in that nasty, dirty pool, um, <laughs> Bless those kids' hearts. Uh, for real. Because you also worked there for a time. I did. I did. <laughs> um, and I was like, wow, God, you made the molecules that bonded to have this water. And the molecules that bonded to create the concrete that's holding the water. And I, I was just hit with this awe in the mundane, like literally the stupidest thing. Like it's chlorine water in a pool. And I was struck with the awe of the Lord. Like... I was in complete wonder. And that's what you find when you search for God in your suffering is you find miracles in the mundane. Wow. And so connecting to the Holy Spirit is not as hard as it sounds. Mm -hmm. Like when you're saved, you invite Jesus into your heart. But in reality, like Jesus is the God man, like he's the flesh and blood of God. So he's not going to fit. (laughs) <laughs> He's not going to fit in there, yeah. right? And so we actually invite the Holy Spirit because in Jesus, when Jesus left, he said, it's to my advantage that I go because I'm sending my spirit. And so when you say, when you invite Jesus in, you invite in the Holy Spirit. And so then all you have to do is acknowledge him. Acknowledge him as Lord because the Holy Spirit doesn't sit anywhere but on his throne. And so when you say, Holy Spirit, I invite you into this moment. Hold on. (laughs) Holy Spirit, I invite you into this moment. Come take your throne. I honor you. Teach me about blank. And then you sit and listen. And the voice of the Holy Spirit is is not, um, it's not always just this audible voice that says, James, you blah, 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 blah. Like it's, (laughs) it's not like a, it's not always a thunderous, like, the voice of the Holy Spirit can be still and small. And sometimes it can sound like your own thoughts, but it comes with peace that passes all understanding. And it, and it comes with, yeah, the joy 
of the Lord. Because when you hear his voice, it's so sweet. It's sweeter than honey. It's beautiful. Like it either makes you laugh like a maniac or cry like a maniac. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like because our physical emotions cannot contain the vast nature of his holy presence. And so we are so overwhelmed that we have to express ourselves through either laughter or tears or, you know, for me sometimes like I just like I'm full of the Holy Spirit and I, like I got to run and like I was like run laps and I'm like, okay. Yeah. And a lot of times after you get done spending time with the Holy Spirit, you're always like, I want to scream. I just feel like I could scream right now. Yeah. <laughs> it's so incredible to watch. Yeah. And, and so the last two years by no means have been peaches and cream, but it's been so beautiful getting to develop intimacy with the Holy Spirit by saying everything else in my life is falling apart. Mm -hmm. So show me your face. Wow. Like, let me experience you. And then when you read his word, it actually, it, it comes to life. And the book of Hebrews, I believe it's chapter four, it says that the word is living and breathing. And so there's, there's a person behind this, right? In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. This is the word, this is this is the breath. And so we get to know God by inviting the Holy Spirit into our Bible time. And, and, and he breathes on it. And it says in 2 Corinthians or 1 Corinthians, um, who can know the mind of a person except the spirit of that person? So then too, how can we know the mind of God apart from the spirit of God? And we have not been given the spirit of the world, but the spirit of God. So the only way to truly receive what the Lord wants us to receive through the word to help us navigate our life is through the Holy Spirit. Yeah, John Owen, a really cool reformer back in, you know, Reformation days, he said, without the Holy Spirit, we might as well burn our Bibles. And that kind of hurts our religion a little bit because we don't want to burn a Bible. But it's totally true. Without the Holy Spirit, it doesn't make sense. It just doesn't work that way. Yeah. And so that's how we get churches who create this religious husk of Jesus. And that Jesus is not my Jesus. Mm -hmm. Because my Jesus, he died so that he could know me personally and his law is love. Wow. Like that is his new commandment. That's what it says. That's what he says. I, this is what I command you now. Love God, love others. Wow. Wow. So what? So the practicality behind this, how can we find joy in our sufferings? Wrap it up for us. Tell us exactly how we can do this practically. Um, practically, invite the Holy Spirit. Yeah, that's as practical as it gets. Um, um, and so let me preface that practical. You kind of have to redefine because mm -hmm. um, people say people kind of think you either have to be spiritual or practical. But the reality is in John 14, it says that the Holy Spirit's our helper. So yeah. um, there is no true spirituality without practicality and no true practicality without spirituality. And so if you have spirituality without practicality, then it's not the Holy Spirit. And if you have practicality without spirituality, then you have a carnal, a, a carnal mentality. And so then we have to redefine what practicality looks like because 
practical in the carnal sense does not looking like flying to California because God told me to. But yeah. practical, the practical application of that is God said so. So there must be something awesome. Like there, there has to be a, the goodness of the Lord has to be revealed to me in a new way. And so we invite the Holy Spirit in. And we say, I can't do this on my own. I believe you are who you say you are. And I need your grace. Mm-hmm. And when you, when you develop that intimacy with the Holy Spirit, he gives you the ability to endure that suffering. He doesn't take it all away. He gives you the ability to endure by being closer to him. And so we then grow in our endurance and then we grow in our history and then we grow in our hope. And then we, we look at a circumstance that's coming up and, and we say, God, I don't know how, how this is going to happen. But then you can look back and go, okay, you worked here, you worked here, you did a miracle here and here, and you were good to me here and you grew my relationship with you here and you trained me in this way through this scenario here and you can look back through your life and when you look with the perception when you go into suffering with grace you come out the other side with thankfulness in your heart but when you walk in into into suffering and trials without grace then you actually come out of the other side with bitterness And, and so inviting him in and then listening and obeying that's the practicality to it. Wow. Ask, listen, and obey. And then just spend time with him. And, you know, that's not going to satisfy everyone. And I'm really sorry. But, <laughs> no, that's incredible. Um, I'm actually not sorry. Because yeah, you're not sorry. The, the only thing that I can do is point you to the one who does know what to do. Mm-hmm. Because I'm not going to know what to do for you. Like, there's not a baseline. Like, for every situation... Or for these kinds of situations and these kinds of situations, do this. Literally all it is, is listen to the voice of God and obey. Wow. And that's what, that's why Grace is in the position that she is in. That's why I'm in the position that I am in. That's why, you know, Grace walks in such favor that now she has a podcast and a book. And, and you know, I don't want to tell her testimony for her. So I'll save that for a later date. But it's just what she's walking in is amazing because she hears the voice of God and listens. And what I'm getting to experience is building a history with the Lord. And, and it's beautiful just to, just to go, okay, I'm stepping out on this limb and it's a small one. And then he comes through and I'm like, wait, you did it then. And then I can step out on a slightly bigger limb that's a little bit more frail. I'm like, okay, God, I trust you. And then he comes through and I'm like, okay, you did it there and there. So I could trust you this time. And it's this process. Wow. It's the process. He makes it so easy to trust him. And I thank you for the honor that you've given me. I really appreciate that. Um, this time with you has been incredible. And I love talking about this. Do you have any final thoughts for us before we end out? Um, yeah. Jesus loves you and he wants to know you so badly. He wants to know you so badly that even though we sinned against him, he came and died for you so that you didn't have to and went to hell so you didn't have to. But the difference is that he conquered hell and he came back to life and he invites you to know him every single day so that we can live with him forever. Wow. Will you pray for us, James? Absolutely. Holy Spirit, we thank you for this time that you got to teach us about the gift of suffering. We thank you for your love that pours into our heart. 
We thank you for the hope and the joy that you give us. And we thank you for the practical advice that you give us every single day, the steps that you give us to take and the intimacy that you grow with us as we seek your heart and grow in your word. We praise you. We thank you. And we love you so, so much. In Jesus name. Amen. It's been an honor to spend time with you, James, and we will see you very soon again on the Word Tease podcast. See you guys later.